Hello and welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on how you can be a part of Refuge Church, join us on Sunday mornings in Jacksonville at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. or visit our website at refugejackschurch.com. In this week's podcast, we are continuing our sermon series through Luke. Thank you for listening. God, you are a gracious Father. You are mighty, yet you save us with mercy. God, you are an incredible creator with hands that carve out beauty. You are the author of life, yet you give us such freedom. God, you know each of us intimately, yet you watch over us in our weaknesses and guide us daily. Father, we draw near to you to remember the promise of eternity today. Lord, we walk with you and seek your guidance as we learn to be more loving. Father, in this your sanctuary, in your chapel, we are safe. Safe to let down our guard and dwell in your truth. Lord, you came for the needy the poor, the oppressed, the forsaken, and those that society has forgotten. Help us to never forget those. Father, your life renews our hearts from within. Thank you that we carry your promise of forgiveness. Lord, we ask for your spirit to work through us as we minister to the world and share your great gospel with all. And Lord Jesus, we dedicate our lives to you. Jesus, we need you and we love you. Amen. If you have a Bible, if you'll find Luke chapter 14, uh, I have a couple of things to talk about, um, and then we'll just kind of jump in. Uh, there's no real easy way to segue. Would you hand me that stack? Um, number one, uh, prayer groups. Man, if, if you have jumped into prayer groups, there is a new March prayer guide out. It's on our website. If you go to the prayer portion of our website, you will see uh, a work announcements about prayer groups. If you're not meeting in a prayer group and you have questions or we can help in some way, please let me know. I know there's one meeting tomorrow night. Um, and even this morning, I had somebody come to me and say they wanted to start one uh, for military families. So if you're interested in a military family uh, prayer group, man, come see me after. Um, if that's like, what are you talking about prayer groups? Um, and we are really so new as a church, we're just kind of sticking our toe in the water of groups and we're building them around prayer, an opportunity for for you to gather with other believers and just pray. Um, and, uh, and listen, you may be like, I don't want to do that. That sounds intimidating. You don't have to pray. The person that maybe advice you can do the praying, okay? Number two, Wednesday nights, centered. Um, I think we'll meet this Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. And then next Wednesday is spring break for Duval County, so we'll kind of take a break. Um, but our midweek Bible study centered is still going. If you haven't done any of them, listen, you're okay. You can actually go today and watch all, I think we're five in. Watch all five, get called up through the website, and then you'll be ready for week six this week, if I did that right. If I didn't do it right, then I did it wrong, and I'm sorry, okay? Uh, March 26th, uh, so if you are on the move team, children's team, worship team, student team, if you work on one of our teams, or you're a member and you do not, but you need to, see how I said that, um, then on March 26th, we're going to have a leader training, okay? That's a Saturday morning. We're going to feed you. We're going to challenge you. We're going to encourage you, but, but here's part of, a big part of it, um, we need to be safe, right? And our kids need to be safe. And Refuge's campus needs to be a safe place for us to come. And so as part of that, we've got to talk through some security measures as well as come alongside you and just talk about vision a little bit. So March 26th, 
uh, mark your calendars. Now, in saying that, we have some needs, just in case you're a new member and you're not serving anywhere. We need people to jump in on the move team. That is the greeting, kind of welcoming parking lot team, uh, meet under the tent, those kind of things. You get all the coffee you want. I don't know why you would say no to that. We need people to serve in, listen, specifically, we need help uh, with children at 9 a.m., uh, we want to get to a place where we can offer the same uh, children's ministry at 9 a.m. as we do at 10.30. So if you're here at 10.30 and you can give us, man, at 9 a.m., we would love that. Again, the free coffee thing, okay? Uh, and then we're looking for some help with students. We started student ministry back in January. Megan Cruz is somewhere around here. I don't know if she's in the room or not. She's out there. Uh, Devin, her husband, played guitar and sang. That's really all I was going to say about him. But um, they, um, and they help lead our student ministry. Megan's in charge of it, and we could uh, use some help there. So... Last thing, and then we'll do the Luke 14 preaching part, um, which probably more of what you care about at the moment. But, um, man, I have been spending some time with one of our members at the church, um, and we're doing a tease this morning, and then this week, and next week, and you'll hear a whole lot more about it. But um, this man came to me and said, hey, one of the hardest and, and most challenging seasons for a military person or military family is when they're deployed, uh, specifically if they're on a ship somewhere. Um, he said, hey, how can we come alongside? And so he came up with this idea of getting a journal, uh, a book, Bible, and then maybe some handwritten notes into sailors' hands that are deployed. And so um, you're going to hear more about that this week and how you can be a part of that specifically. This is incredibly relevant, A, because of where we're located and the naval base being south of us. But also, um, man, we're in the midst of something. I mean, you know this. You see it on the news all the time with Ukraine. There, there are sailors being sent and other, and you may know of military families, being sent right now on ships over to, to take part in that on some level. And we're praying for wisdom and guidance and how to even think through those things. But we have an opportunity to encourage some of those who are deployed. We're going to hear, you'll hear more about it this week through email, through social media. And then next Sunday, he and I will get on stage and talk a whole lot more about it. So uh, he's actually flying, flying a helicopter right now, so, which is kind of cooler than what I'm doing right now in some ways. Can we just acknowledge that? Like, he's flying a helicopter. Like, I'm glad to preach. I'm excited to do that. But flying a helicopter sounds pretty awesome. Okay, so Luke chapter 14. Maybe one day he'll take me if we're really friends. So uh, Luke chapter 14. So we've been going through the book of Luke together. Um, kind of, And the plan is Luke 14 today. Um, I'm going to leave some verses for you to read later. Luke 15 the next two weeks. And then we're going to fast forward a little bit as we get ready to jump into kind of the Easter season. So uh, is the plan. Um, so there may be some uh, paragraphs or chapters that we don't get to fully dive into on a Sunday morning. Um, that's not like, hey, skip that. That's like, hey, man, maybe that's an opportunity for you to read that in your devotion time. So Luke chapter 14, uh, we're going to talk about Jesus at a dinner party uh, this morning. Imagine with me for a few minutes, if you would, that you're invited to a lavish dinner party. Now really dial it up if you would. When I mean lavish, I mean something that you've never experienced before, maybe only seen pictures of on TV, on Instagram, Facebook, those kinds of things, something you've never really been invited to. And I know you would say, well, I'm classy. I'm not arguing with your classiness. I'm just asking you to dial it up, the lavishness of this party kind of beyond something you've ever imagined. You receive the invitation and immediately realize, man, you must up your game. Your current wardrobe would not fit this dinner party. No one's wearing jeans to this dinner party, so I can't go, Josh, right? It is black tie formal, if you will. This dinner party is a would-not-miss event. The invitation alone is worth its weight in gold. Like, you don't put this on the fridge. You don't set it on the counter where milk can spill on it. It goes in the firebox tucked away safely. The evening comes and a car is sent to your home. You climb in. You've never been in a car this nice. And I realize some of you drive nice cars, but this car 
is the nicest. Because it's so nice, you ask the driver to drive by your friend's house, but he says there's no time. So you take a selfie. You head straight to the dinner in an outfit you cannot afford in a nicer car than you've ever ridden in in your life. You arrive and you see the people walking in and your first thought is not, wow, I belong, but out of my league. You are nervous and excited at the same time. You exit the car and you are escorted to your seat. Not at the head table, but a great seat at the table. And the food arrives at your table, and, and there's really no words to describe what you see and then taste, just exquisite beyond measure. The best things you've ever had. And as soon as you start on a dish, and it's just amazing, another's brought out, and it's even better. So much food, and then entertainment, music, comedy, and as you look around, people you don't just admire, but have looked up to from afar fill the room. It is quite an event. And in the middle of all that, a man enters. He's not classy. In fact, he's not really dressed up at all. In fact, he kind of sticks out because he's so ordinary or plain looking, even poor. Yeah, the word you want to use is ordinary. The room grows very quiet as he enters. And he stands there in the room. You can hear a whisper. And he begins to walk across the room. And as he is walking across the room, he encounters another man who you didn't notice until just now, but this man has deformed from years of pain and illness. He cannot stand straight. He clearly is weak and fragile, and neither of these men belong, the ordinary man nor the man who is deformed from years of pain and illness. The room is hushed as the ordinary man walks over, becomes silent as the ordinary man hugs the deformed man, and speaks to him tenderly. All eyes in the room are now on this situation. These men don't belong. The ordinary man lifts one hand to heaven and places another man on the man's shoulders. And in a moment, the man begins to straighten up, the deformed man, slowly moving his arms, his shoulders straighten. And the man who was once deformed begins to weep. And the ordinary man embraces him. It's completely silent now, not even movement. And in the silence, the ordinary man speaks up and he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's now silent and tense. Yet in that moment, you, you know this man. You know this ordinary man. You, you desire him in some way. You long to follow him to stand with him, to come alongside him, but no one steps up to follow him. And so you stand alone wondering if you should go to the man or not. Several moments pass and still nothing happens. You want to run to the ordinary man, but know it will come at a cost. The account of Luke 14 is this. Is Jesus worthy of being followed because it will cost you? There are moments in our lives where every Christian has to face really two questions that go together. And these questions are this, and men, I would encourage you to write them down. They're very simple questions, but they're the questions that are begging through this passage. Number one, do I please people? Number two, do I please God? There are moments in our lives when every Christian has to face this question and these questions. Men, do I please people or do I please God? Is it better to lose a thousand friends and a thousand relatives is it better to lose them than to lose the gospel? 
some would say. I mean, in Luke 14, Jesus shows up at a dinner party. I want to read you this account. It says on verse 14 of verse 1 of chapter 14, one Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? It's a profound question we'll get to in a minute. Verse 4, but they remained silent. Can you imagine being in the presence of Jesus and having nothing to say? This is kind of all of Luke 14. Then he took him, and this is, man, this is not the gospel. I don't know what it is. Then he took him, he healed him, and he sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Jesus is in the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. This is a bawling estate. He's eating a meal. There was a group of lawyers and Pharisees there. It was a dinner party. They were trying to, and if you see at the end of verse 1, they were watching him carefully. They were trying to trap Jesus. In fact, you could argue that was the whole point of the party. And, and man, this is so sad to me, but they were trying to trap him with a man who was ill, a man who had dropsy. I mean, how demonic. These religious men brought in a guy with an issue to shame him and use him. This man was created in the image of God. He had eternal worth and value and was being treated less than a street animal in this moment. When Jesus responds to the lawyers and the Pharisees asking this question when he realizes what's going on, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And their response is they remained silent. I mean, can you imagine being in the presence of God in the flesh and having nothing to say? Jesus took the man, healed him, and sent him away. Listen to these words, took, healed, sent. This is the life of every follower of Christ, right? Jesus takes us as his own. He begins healing us, which probably never ends on this side of heaven. And then he has something that we are sent to do, all of us. There's not one person in this room that doesn't have a scent for them to go to at some point. Jesus, healing this man, is not out of character for Christ, any more than you and I fixing a flat tire or repairing something that is broken. Listen, Jesus is healer. It is, it is who he is. It is in his character. And if they had known him, they would have known what he was about to do. And then Jesus asks this question, which of you having a son or an ox has fallen into a well on a Sabbath? They will not immediately pull him out. Listen, uh, you may not have an ox. If you have an ox, I'd love to know that. I'd love to bring my kids over to see your ox. But you may know what it's like to at least have a son. I have three sons. It's a blessing of my life. When my son does something well, I'm filled with pride. When they do something stupid, I question everything that I've ever done and taught in my entire life, right? Like, but having a son, when there's something about it that stirs your affections in, in, a, in a good way. Jesus is saying, if you have a son and something bad happens to him, what happens? You run in and immediately try to help. The other day, Ezra broke his finger playing catch kind of a thing. My response wasn't, catch the ball. My response was, man, I'm so sorry. How can I help you? Here's Advil. Let's tape that thing up. Let's go. Like, we come alongside our sons. We love them. When they score a touchdown, get an A on the test, or just make their bed, we celebrate. Right? What is he saying? He says, if you have a son or if you have an ox, it's fallen in a well. Now, I don't have an ox. You probably don't. I'm guessing if you have an ox and it falls in a well, it's just dead. Like, it's not getting back out. They sound heavy, okay? But look, will you not go help? He says, immediately? Here's what he's getting at. I mean, your son is... is, is He's talking about our affections and what stirs our affections. 
When our sons do something great, when we just see them, when they wake up in the morning, we want them to have a good day. Man, our affections are stirred by our sons, and, and our ox are our possessions. If you have an ox, it's, so he's, a, he's, he's liking this to, <coughs> if you have a flat tire on the way home today, you don't leave your car on the side of the road and go, well, I'll go get another car. You stop and you fix your car, or you call someone to help fix it. <coughs> Excuse me. Possessions and affections. Men, men, some would argue these cover almost every reason we won't live our lives, give our lives fully to Christ and to the kingdom of God. Listen, if you're not aware of this, possessions can take hold of your heart. And affections can steal your heart looking the wrong way at times. So while he's talking about a son and an ox, which matter, I think really what he's getting at is what possessions and what affections are steering you away from Christ. Like, can we be honest about possessions? Anybody got a new phone after they had a bad phone? There's something about it that first week. It's like, I got a new phone. <laughs> kind of works. <laughs> People can hear me. When I pull up Safari or whatever your internet explores, it still stays open. Like, there's things you just like, this is exciting. Like, there's a, there's a few days that, like, three weeks in, you're like, I don't care about that thing anymore. But there's something about that possession in that moment, right? I mean, affection, possessions. Listen, possessions can take hold of our heart if we're not careful, and they can become ultimate kingdom important when they shouldn't be. And affections can steal our heart away from Christ. I, I said it this way in the earlier service, but I, mean, I think when we think about our affections and what we give our affections to, that list should be shorter and shorter, not longer and longer. Jesus gets my affections, my wife, my two daughters, right? Like there shouldn't be a, a long list of things. Man, what has your heart, man, has your soul. And affections can steal your heart and possessions can take hold of your heart. Man, you would not treat your possessions and affections the way you treated this man, he's saying. And he, as he says this, listen, their hearts are not softened one bit. They could not even reply to these things we see. What a place to find ourselves in the presence of Jesus and not even being able to respond to him. I wrote in the margin of my Bible, next to verse 6, the words, know all, A-W-E. Just the reality that they're in the presence of Jesus and there's, there's, there's nothing that has stirred their affections for the Jesus they're standing there with. Know all over the miraculous. Know all over the Son and the Savior who is there. And in light of possessions and affections taking hold of our hearts, just a side note, man, this week I was listening to this, this podcast on the early fathers of the church. And, and, and the early fathers had this saying that hurry, crowds, and noise are enemies of our journey with God. I mean, think about that for a minute. Hurry, crowds, and noise. Think about the last time you tried to pray and how it felt like I got to get, I got all these things that begin to come up in our mind and I've got to get through this time of prayer to get to the next thing. Crowds and, and noise are enemies of the journey. So when our hearts are captivated by the wrong things and when we live in a world that is full of, is it not hurry? Is it not crowds? Like we didn't do crowds for a couple of years and now we're doing crowds again. And noise. And when we live in this place, Man, there's no margin for Jesus, and there's no space to hear his voice. So the question I would love to ask you this morning is, when's the last time you heard his voice? And, and I don't mean you heard him go, Josh, because I don't think that's what the Bible says, but I mean you were able to hear from the Lord because you slowed down, you got quiet, you put your possessions in their place, and you focused your affections back on Christ. Man, does Jesus have your heart? 
Listen, maybe another question you could ask. Is there space in your life to hear his voice? Can I just tell you the lesson I'm learning? I'm going to share it because it's okay. Uh, I was really challenged. That's my wife. Hey, baby. Uh, at the end of this year, I was challenged, man, by Beth to stop listening to sermons. Um, so the first sermon I listened to was when Pastor Tim preached, Dr. Maynard, a couple of weeks ago. And it was incredible. It was like I'd never heard a sermon before. It was amazing to me. And the thing that I'm learning, man, just, just so deeply in my soul I mean, and I pray you hear me, is it's really easy to listen to 45 podcasts and watch 96 YouTube videos of sermons all week and hear absolutely nothing. I mean, listen, there's so much noise. There's an artist named John Foreman. He said, if you're adding to the noise, shut off that song. Like, I think that needs to get wired in our souls. There's so much noise that we can have all these good things being poured in and hear me, church, hear nothing. Man, hurry and noise and crowds just make muffled noises where we miss Jesus. So the dinner continues, if you'll follow along with me. Imagine the awkwardness. They were trying to trap Jesus, and Jesus turned the tables as he does and trapped them. I mean, Jesus does this to us, just usually it's just him and I, not at a dinner party. But after he has turned the tables on them, then he jumps into verse 7. And of course, as he would, they're all sitting there tense and maybe a little angry, and he's going to tell a parable, because that's how Jesus would work, isn't he? Now that you're angry, let me tell you a story that you have to decipher. Now he told a parable to those who were invited, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. And look at verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know what he's saying? He's looking at their dinner party saying, I see and saw how you chose your seats. I saw how you jockeyed for position and influence. Jesus is literally in the room at a table, and those religious men cannot see him. For the position they desire is so strongly within their hearts. As religious leaders, they desire to be closer to God. They desire to move up in position. Yet Jesus is in their very presence and they cannot move near him. Jockeying for position and influence. Listen, one pastor named Kent Hughes said this. Selfishness always reduces the importance of others and enlarges the importance of one's life. If you want to know if you're selfish, then how do you view others? Do you enlarge their stuff important or do you only enlarge yours? R.C. Sproul said, pride blots out the goodness of God's generosity. Now think about that. And pride blots out. Pride, when I'm prideful, it keeps me from being able to see the goodness of God's generosity. Therefore, if I struggle to see the goodness of God's generosity, it might not be God's issue. It might be my pride issue. Hear me, church. We are, we are not created to jockey for position but to serve one of the greatest things you can hear me say today, you and I are not created to jockey for position, but to serve. I told this story in the last service. I'll tell it again. If you ever ask me who I like to listen to, I like to listen to Stephen and Shane and Shane. If you don't know who Shane and Shane is, get on that this afternoon. Man, I, we used to, when I was doing student ministry, bring in artists um, to do concerts and stuff for students, lead worship. And, and um, I would always kind of gauge 
where they were by how much they were willing to help us serve, which is really sketchy, and I'm a terrible person. You can fully give me all that. I'm okay with that. But I would like take mental notes like, oh, they don't want to help. Okay, they're kind of a jerk. Not going to invite them back. Never listening to them again. Not going to play them for the students anymore. Again, terrible, dark-hearted stuff, and I'm okay with that telling you in confession because you're going to pray for me now, right? So there was that. And then one time we brought in this artist, these artists, Shane and Shane, and we had to set up a bunch of tables and chairs. And I'll never forget, they just overheard us saying it. And then 10 minutes later, we look over, and those two guys, who were pretty well-known kind of Christian artists, music guys, are over here setting up the tables and chairs for us. Not over here. That was, you know. But over there doing it, I remember looking over and seeing it and just being like, I only want to listen to them from now on because they get it. We aren't created to jockey for position but to serve. When you know who the one who is in ultimate position, you begin to find contentment in your own position. But if you're not content in where you are, it's usually because you don't believe the one who is truly in position over you is ultimate. Knowing our position in Christ gives us a desire to serve others. Like, there should be no one that's beyond holding a door, setting up a chair, mopping a floor, taking out trash, or wiping a bottom. As Christ came to serve, we follow his example. Man, write this down, please. Saved, saved people serve. And one of the evidences in your life that you're saved that should overflow out of you is that you're willing to serve. And serve is not, hey, did you see me? <laughs> Because if it's that, then your, your reward, Jesus says, is that they saw you. Save people served is I'm going to serve in a way that no one sees it. I'm going to serve in a way that only the Lord gets the glory. I'm going to serve in a way that maybe I don't like to serve. Because is it really serving if I'm loving it? There's a, there's a line there, is there not? Saved people serve. Man, we, are, we aren't created to jockey for position but to serve. Verse 11. And then he says this, man, for, whoever, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What is he saying? You want to be great in the kingdom? Humble yourself. I don't know all the ways to humble yourself, but I know serving is absolutely one of them. Man, to the men in this dinner party, this would have been countercultural and almost heresy to their very ears. Men of great position and influence and women of great position and influence cannot serve truly without submission to and truly knowing Christ. And sadly, God in the flesh was with them and they didn't even know. And one of the, one of the I was thinking about this man, as I was preparing this week and this, this, this encounter came to mind. I'll never forget it. Um, I wasn't even a believer, so it's, it's pretty striking the impact it had on me. But when I was in seventh grade, um, I went to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes fundraiser banquet. If you know what this is, if you don't, you're not missing out. But more importantly, they would bring in these really great speakers. And uh, so I was in seventh grade, which means I didn't care about anything, much less the speaker. And I remember um, showing up to the church to hear the speaker, and um, I was sweaty and gross, mainly because I was in seventh grade. But I had also come from football practice, meaning I was like double sweaty and gross. And we're sitting in this chair, and this guy gets up with a hat and a blazer, and he talks about football and Jesus. And he, at the end of his message, he goes, they said, hey, the coach uh, wants to know if there's any football players current, like middle school, high school students, uh, wants to know if there's any in the room. If so, he would like to meet with them after the service, uh, after this time of kind of his, his, his message. And, uh, and so I was one of those six or seven. There was just a few of us. And he, he said, and so I raised my hand. They're like, we have a room set up on this back, back area. And so we all walk to this back area. And so there's six or seven of us, a couple high school guys, a couple middle school guys. We walk in, and, and, and I didn't know who he was at the time, but Tom Landry, famous coach of the Dallas Cowboys, was the speaker. If you know football, you may be like, wow. If you don't, you're like, I don't care. Just so you know, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, football coach of all time. Just one of those guys, if that helps. If you don't like football, just hang with me for a minute. And he started getting to know us. Hey, what position do you play? Where do you play ball? And I remember we're all in the room. We'd all just followed practice. We all kind of smelled bad, and we're all like just talking. But we, none of us knew who this guy was. 
Tom Landry ended up passing away a few months after this. But I'll never forget at the end, uh, he's wearing his hat, he's got his blazer on, and he had this real commanding presence without being loud. He just stops, he goes, all right, guys, I've got to go. Just real kind of soft voice. But I need you to know this. More important than knowing football is knowing Christ. Y'all have a great day and walks out. This is a guy who, if you know who this is and was and were in the room with him, you, as a man who would like football, you would almost worship this guy. And this guy took all of that and spun it to go look at Christ, not me. Man, this is serving, is it not? Don't look at me. Man, look at Christ. Man, so if saved people serve, what does that look like? How do I, how do I be great in the kingdom? I humble myself and I spin it to look at Christ. More important than knowing football, guys, know Christ. Luke 14, let's continue. Verse 16. Jesus is going to tell another parable because at this point it's so tense and nobody's talking. You just got to believe no one knows what to say because it's pretty awkward at this point. This is, this is beyond the awkwardness of uh, Thanksgiving where people want to talk politics. This is no one's talking, so Jesus is going to tell some stories, okay? Verse 16, but he said, a man once gave a great banquet and he invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Verse 18. But, and then look what they're going to do. You're going to get three excuses. But they all alike begin to make excuses. The first said, I've bought a field, and I must go see it. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I'm going to guess if you buy a field, you're going to go look at it first. Is that fair? Make sure it's not a pond, okay? But that's his excuse. What is, the, what is a field, though? It's a possession. Here we see Jesus kind of doing this thing again. He's going to say, I have this possession that's an excuse to keep me from coming to the banquet. Verse 19, and another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. What do you have again? Another possession. And another said, I have married a wife, and she won't let me go. That's not actually what it says. He says, and I have another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And there you have affection, do you not? Now, obviously, marriage and affection and marriage is a beautiful thing. But you see Jesus again talking about possessions and affections. But we'll press on and come back to it. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the cities and bring in, look what he says, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go further, go to the highway and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be Filled. Do you see, man, man, really this is a picture of our eternity and God's desire for his house to be filled? Verse 40, verse 24, for I tell you that none of these men who were invited that didn't, show, that didn't come, that had an excuse, what, shall taste my banquet. So this man throws a banquet and all these are invited and the first row of invitations come back with excuses. And those excuses are possessions and affections. Listen, Man, what we possess, does it really possess us? Is a question we should ask. How about this? Are our affections stirred for things other than Christ? Man, at times they will be, and we've got to reorient our heart around Jesus. Possessions and affections around earthly things can steal our very souls from Christ, our very hearts. That is why Jesus has this hard teaching in the Gospels, where he says, if something causes you to sin, like your eye or your arm, gouge it out or cut it off. Like, that sounds crazy, but he's saying, hey, if, if something steals your heart so much, it is no longer worth being a part of your life, even if it is essential to your life. He's saying we can absolutely lose our souls to possession and affections if they're in the wrong place. If you find yourself there, cut it off. And then he says, what, go invite poor, crippled, blind, lame in their place. 
None of those men, though, who were originally invited shall be, taste, be able to taste my banquet. The invitation here, church, listen, is a metaphor for God's invitation for salvation. Listen, there is no buy-in for salvation. Only by the grace of God is anyone saved. Jonah 2 says salvation belongs to God. Ephesians 2 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works. You can't earn it so that no one can boast. The master here is a picture of Jesus extending the invitation to the rejected, the despised, those on the outside. Can you, do you see what this is beginning? In the next chapter is this as well. This is Jesus, listen, drawing the sinner in welcoming the sinner. Can I tell you the message to you and I this morning is Jesus draws near and draws the sinner in. And oftentimes as Christians, I do this thing where I forget that I'm still a sinner. I don't know if you do this, but, but I, I often think of sinners in the frame of people who don't know Jesus. But I've got to remember, I am a sinner just like you, just like all those around us. Yet this is Jesus extending the invitation to all sinners to come near. Look what he's saying. He's saying, go to my people and go to my people who are not my people and make them my people. That's what he did for us. To go to the cripple and the lame and the Gentiles and the sinners is to go to the people who aren't his people and say, come be my people. They are invited to a feast with me. This is what he and I did for you. Excuse me, what he did for you and I. Invited us to his feast, extended an invite to those who don't have a right or a reason to be there. Can you hear me say today, and can you hear the words of Jesus say, we have no right or reason to be there, yet because of Christ we have been invited. We have no right, we have no reason, yet because of Christ we have been invited. Jesus extends this invitation to us, and please hear me, the invitation extended to us isn't only to us, it came to us to continue going to other people. This invitation is to all people. We get the privilege of extending. Like, do you realize the people you're going to interact with this week, that invitation is extended to them as well. Jesus wants to know you and for you to know him. And he wants you to know there's a greater feast to come. If you want to know about the feast, you can read in Revelation 19. I'm kind of out of time. But there's an invitation to know Christ in this and to know that you don't have a right or a reason to spend eternity with God, yet you've been invited by Christ. Can I pray for you? God, we love you and we thank you for this morning and time in your word to be reminded that even though we don't have a right or a reason to be there, Jesus, you extend the invitation to us by grace through Christ alone. Man, if you're in the room this morning um, and you've never accepted this invitation of placing faith in Christ, um, I would just man, love to give you a simple prayer and then tell you after the service, I'm going to be standing right here and one of our elders will be standing over here. You can come and talk to us after. But man, that prayer is very simple. It's, man, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? I am a sinner. Would you save me? Would you become Lord of my life? If you want to pray something like that or doing it now, would you come see me after? Maybe you came in, man, this morning and needed to be reminded of God's goodness towards you, his invitation towards you, even though you don't deserve it. Maybe you came in feeling dirty, feeling far from the Lord, and you need to be reminded of his presence. Would you pray something like this? God, would you draw me to you? God, would you remind me of your goodness and your generosity towards me? Would you pour your spirit out on me? Maybe, man, you, you, as you heard this, you just kept thinking, I know of a friend who needs to hear the invitation 
to know Christ. Maybe you want to take just a moment now and pray for them in your heart, kind of quietly by name. Listen, whether you're aware or not, man, it's, it's approaching Easter season and people are wanting to have spiritual conversations. Man, will you be available? God, we, we need you. God, thank you for your mercy. God, thank you that you have extended an invitation to us to know you and to be known by you. Jesus, would you just in the next few minutes continue to draw us to yourself, God, and work on those hard areas of our heart. Church, I'd encourage you not to check out and pack up, but continue to and spend time with the Lord. God, we need you and we love you. Thank you for tuning in to the Refuge Church Podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejackschurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent.